I'm Carlo, Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo, and this is my podcast. With this project, I want to explore the means, methods, tools, and examples of living on purpose, living the life we want, doing the things that light us up, things that make us feel like we're alive, growing, making a difference, and enjoying the process along the way. Welcome to It's the Journey. Okay, everybody, welcome back to my podcast, It's the Journey. And thank you all for joining me once again. And of course, thank you to Anchor, my sponsor of the show for now. And as my audience grows, it'll be fun to see who might be a sponsor in the future. But for now, I am that other sponsor uh, in terms of me underwriting this project with my time and my money. And uh, of course, it's been lots of fun. And predominantly, it's feeding my, my drive to learn and grow and try new things. And so if you're having fun with this or if you're enjoying it to help spread the word, um, if there's an episode that impacts you that you're excited about, please you know, share it and tell your friends, write a review. Anywhere you're listening to it, that's always helpful. Um, same thing with the book. And if you're new to all of this, you can check out and learn about the things that I'm doing with the podcast and my book and different things on my website, which is carloblog.com. So today, my guest is Lisa Dittmer. So Lisa is an amazing person that I met on my journey to when I was in Lecce for the, uh, the Italian, one of the intensive Italian language classes I took. And so a lot of my friends that know Spanish will go, oh, Lecce, that means milk. And that's true in Spanish, but not in Italian. Lecce is a, is a beautiful city down in Southern Italy in Apulia. And the name actually comes from a Greek city named Lycia, Lycia, L-Y-C-I-A, which was where this king came from, uh, who moved to southern Italy to set up a kingdom and then named one of the cities that he established uh, after his homeland, which is now in modern-day Turkey. So that's your history lesson for today. But uh, again, Lecce is this lovely little city in southern Italy, and that's where I did the class, and that's where I met my friends Emilio and Isabella and did the whole olive-picking adventure. And while I was there, I met, among other people, Lisa. So... Lisa is super cool. She's this beautiful, sharing soul who is so open and kind and adventuresome. And uh, just as an example, on the first day of class, she walked in and after we got to, all got to know each other a little bit, she let me and some of the other students know that she's like, hey, I've got a car and while I'm here, I'm going to do some road trips and you all can join me if you want. And we, we went on these really cool trips and I got to see uh, her navigate a, the Italian roads, which intimidated me at the time, but she gave me the confidence to, to, to dive into that more later on my own. Um, and this crazy sixth sense that she has of finding city centers without any maps, which is always cool. Um, and so we got to do all this while I was her co-pilot and DJ on our adventures. Um, but one of the reasons I wanted to talk with Lisa today is because she has this really cool story and adventure of her journey from growing up in the state of Washington to moving to London and then traveling around and doing fun things uh, in her life. And I know a lot of people sometimes are scared about just moving across town or changing jobs or trying something new. And Lisa is a really cool example of, of someone who maybe she is afraid, maybe she's not, but she's said yes to a lot of things and followed the fun and had some really, really cool adventures. So I wanted to dive into all that with Lisa and see what we can learn. So with all that, let's meet Lisa. Lisa, hello. Hi, Carla. Nice to speak to you today. Yeah, thanks for joining me from London. Yeah, sunny <laughs> London for once, actually. <laughs> Whoa, crazy. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, we had so much fun together. Was it three, three, 2018, three years ago now? I think so, yeah. Definitely pre-pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Pre definitely, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, but we had a lot of fun, and you inspired me, and uh, just the way you 
you know, that was the first time I had, it was the second class I did, but the first class I did, there weren't any other students. So it was, I went at a weird time of the year, I was by myself. So this was fun to meet other people who used their vacation time to travel far away and learn a language. Uh, and, and then you do that kind of thing a lot, or maybe not necessarily learn languages, but travel. And so, and the little bit I got to know about you, about your, your journey from, from Washington to London, uh, I was curious to, to dive more into that and, and just some of your philosophies about how you um, try new things and go new places. And uh, just to share with people who might be wanting to do that, but maybe a little bit scared. Yeah, sure. Um, so I uh, used to live in Seattle. Um, I grew up there and um, I did a bit of traveling uh, and studying abroad when I was in high school and um, college or uni, depending on which part of the English speaking world you have. Um, right. And uh, I, uh, so I, did, I did a bit of um, traveling in South America, uh, which we can go into later if you, if you want. Um, but sure. we are, uh, so I essentially was um, working in Seattle and um, I'd been working for maybe, so it's just after the financial crisis and I was stuck in a job that I hated, um, but I couldn't leave because uh, I didn't, there weren't really any other jobs there and I only had a few years of work experience. And so um, I decided to apply for a scholarship to study abroad um, with the Rotary Foundation and I, I, I managed to get it. Um, and so I moved over to the UK as a Rotary Peace Fellow in 2011. Um, cool. And yeah, I, I didn't really know if I wanted to study peace studies or be in a, a peace person. Um, I knew that I wanted more purpose in my life and to, to have, I, I was working in, um, in technology, uh, at the time and, um, and, and just didn't feel like it was very fulfilling. And I, I, you, you know, when you look at your boss and you look at your boss's boss and you look at your boss's boss's boss and you think, <laughs> I'm not interested in any of their lives. And so you think, well, then why am I working so hard at this? Why why do I care? Why why am yeah, I here? <laughs> and so that's that uh, that was kind of what what made me decide to to do something different. Um, and it took a while, that's right? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's 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 that, that I that's a really great skill set to like to like look at that that was a trajectory within that business, and. Some people, you know, that, that applies in so many different things in your life, you know, with the, the people that you're around and, and everything. You're like, if, if I continue to do what I'm doing, where does this take me? So that's a, that's, a, that was a, that's a unique mindset that not everybody has or takes the time to do. Or if they do, they don't, maybe don't listen to it. So that's, that's cool that you did that. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I, I've always been one of those people where I, I don't, I can't, I can't just put time after day after day into a job that I don't care about. And I, sometimes I wish I could, if I'm honest, <laughs> um, because, you know, I, I think I'd probably, you know, have a fancier title, at, uh, you know, by now, but actually the stuff that I, I have been able to do and work on over the course of my career has been, has been really interesting um and it, and that's it's part of that I guess you could say hunger for um for purpose really um mm -hmm. so that took me to um to the UK where I did a, a master's in um conflict security and development and then I uh decided that I wanted to stay in Europe that it felt like I wasn't ready to go back home yet because I was worried I would fall back into the same trap. So I had left uni originally and gone down to, to Uruguay and spent a year in Uruguay um, studying um, South American economics and learning Spanish and doing some some um, like computer donation projects and stuff. And um when I came back to Seattle, I went straight into my first quote unquote real job and and that's and I felt so stuck and so I didn't want to do that again with the u k experience so I thought you know what i'm going to 
I'm just going to give it a year if I can. And so that's what I did. I, I, I said, okay, I'm going to apply to as many jobs as I can and see if I can get sponsorship. And at the time, the visa rules were going kind of all over the place. And it's a real thing. <laughs> Being able to get a visa is really hard. Um, uh-huh. But I managed to find a, a job where the, the company didn't quite realize how difficult it would be. Um, and so I was the first and the last visa that they ever sponsored, but um, I was really wow. very pleased that they did. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> um, so, would you? So you mentioned you did you did a, a trip to to South America before all this? So we said, yeah. So um, I uh, my first time leaving. The leaving the the nest, so to speak, was when I was in high school. Um, my dad and my aunt had done a program called Amigos de las Americas, um, uh-huh. which is a uh, youth pro- exchange program where you spend six to eight weeks in a Latin American country uh, doing um, whatever the community needs. Um, so. Um, building smokeless stoves, um, building uh, grain storage sheds is actually a big thing because the the rats can end up eating about half the the family's grain stores for the year if it's not elevated off the ground. So projects like that that were relatively simple for a 16-year-old to do, um, but that that did make a difference. and that had, you know, we came, you know, we had to fundraise before we went down. So it, you needed a, a stove pipe to, in order to make it. And so they wouldn't necessarily have the funds for that. So that's the way it, it worked. It's like we got the, we got the experience of, of working in a, in a different culture and learning a new language. And, um, and then the funds that we had raised funded the, the bits and pieces for some of those projects. Okay, cool. I did not know you did that. And I can imagine um, that was the same age I was when I did my first exchange trip. It was a high high school exchange trip to Germany. And whatever it was that drove me to do that, after that point, it, it just, it changed my vision and worldview, I guess, on travel and what was possible and how it was, you know, possible to go to go other places and live differently than what the way we live here, uh, the way that we live in the, where I live in the U S or where people live, wherever they are. Um, and I imagine that had a similar impact on, on you and your, your, what's, what was available to, to you in terms of where to live and how to live. Yeah, it was quite a formative experience, I think. And one that I wasn't really sure I quite understood until years later, probably. Um, mm-hmm. It's I I when I went there, I felt like I was really useless, and it it was really it was a really challenging experience because you know when you're when you're young and you're excited to go and do something to help people, you you realize that you don't know how to build a grain storage shed actually <laughs> and, that, <laughs> right. and that you're there and I you still don't, don't. Re- yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember um, <laughs> and you, you don't speak the language and you know they the way the, the the people there lived their lives is so different from the way that I did that it, I just I felt like a fish out of water and um, and a, and that that feeling of being being different and under, and seeing the ways a different different people live, um, it, it was it all it made me. I think you don't realize that what your culture feels like until you get out of it, and then you see. Mm. I uh, wonder if if you felt this too that actually I didn't really know what it was to be American until I left America and realized what was American and what wasn't. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. That was true for my experience as well. Not only what it was like to be American, but what it what it really felt like to immediately be the obvious outsider. Yeah. Like as soon as I opened my mouth, everybody knew I was different. 
And then that was the curiosity or that was the focus of the conversation sometimes versus, um, you know, just always kind of blending in more or less. Mm. Uh, and that really opened up my eyes and changed my level of empathy for not only non-Americans, but just minorities and people within this country of like, what, 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 you know, gave me just a, just a taste of what that, you know, experience was and, and changed me forever because of that. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, so also then, did you know Spanish before you went or you learned it as you were there? Uh, well, I had taken a couple of classes uh, and I, it, it was not good enough, really. I could talk about the chickens and I could talk <laughs> about the tortillas and the corn and the coffee. And, um, but I, I couldn't talk to them about the politics of the country or you know, they, there were some uh, people who came in from a, a big fertilizer and chemical company who fed them all re- like or provided really nice bread and, and then talked about their products. And it just, it felt, I really wanted to be able to talk to them about it because it, it really kind of bothered me that these people, that, you know, this company was kind of, coming in and what looked like to me taking advantage of, of these people, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell because I couldn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really wanted to engage with them on that level. Um, and I, and I couldn't, and so it, it really frustrated me. And so uh, that's, that was the impetus for going to Uruguay in 2005 um, because I said, you know what, I'm going to learn Spanish properly. Um, so that I, I can talk to people about stuff that I care about and really actually understand what they're thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, I went down for a year and I, uh, I, I didn't go down with an exchange program. I just went down and studied at a university directly. And so through that experience, I had a, a Uruguayan housemate um, who didn't speak English. And, and so I, I just didn't speak English for a year. Uh, and and you learn pretty quick when that's the case. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that sits on a few points I've touched on in different episodes about about the whole concept of fluency, or even like you see all these advertisements with the various apps out that are now that'll say become fluent in six weeks or something silly like that. Um, or you know, people keep asking, are you fluent? Are you fluent? And there's just always, there's various levels, you know, like you said, you can learn pretty quickly enough to like talk about, to, to order a ticket or buy, you know, sit down at a restaurant and ask directions and things like that. But yeah, to be able to have a deeper conversations requires an immersion like you're talking about. And then that immersion um, is something that's so important. Like you said, you just spoke, you just spoke Spanish. Um and you were with someone who didn't speak English, so you didn't have that crutch to fall back on. Um, did you have any? Um, some people, some people, I guess, have like a, a, a hesitancy because of their a fear of sounding. They'll say, "I, I don't want to sound stupid or whatever." But you, at some level, you just have you you have you have to dive in and just be okay making mistakes the same way a child would. So, did you have to overcome any of that as you were trying to learn, or did you just jump in? Uh, I, I, it depends really. I, so in, in Honduras, when I was there, in, when I was 16, um, one of the requirements was that we had to teach the school children something. We had to like teach a lesson and that I, I found really, really challenging because we had to try and teach hygiene. So, um, <laughs> it was, uh, like to teach them how to wash their hands and stuff like that. And it was just, it was just really hard for me too because the, like the again there were there were things that i i felt like i didn't really have a good background on like you couldn't you couldn't always wash your hands because there wasn't always running water you know and so it's just mm. kind of like how do you how do you build in that nuance when you don't have the language skills and and that that i found really really hard um mm. but then in uruguay it was it was different i mean it was you did just have to dive in and and uh, i i did meet people who did speak english of course and i decided from the very beginning that i wasn't going to speak english to them and so i just they would speak in english to me because they wanted to to 
to practice. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm here to learn Spanish. So I'm just going to keep speaking Spanish back to you until you give in. (laughs) 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 And that worked. So uh, eventually I I got fluent fluent enough to have good conversations. And um, so I would say that like the first three months in Uruguay, um, were really hard and I'd taken some more Spanish classes. I'd taken some, some university level Spanish classes at that point. And, um, and I was like, I came in off the plane and the, the person who was meant to pick me up, um, picked me up and said, Oh, you don't really speak Spanish, do you? And I was so, so sad because I was like, I had just spent like two years in a university of Spanish. And I can't say hello properly but uh, but the accent is funny there so uh, not funny it's different um from from the spanish that i that i learned um they have like a a voice form that they use that's uh that takes a little bit of time to get used to okay Uh, (laughs) i can totally relate to people wanting to speak what either wanting to help or wanting to practice their english when you go someplace i i ran into a lot when i was um, when I was in Germany in high school and college of everybody um, wanting to help me out and just speak English. And um, even, even if my, no matter how, um, no matter what level my German was, I felt that. So I did the same thing after a while, just kept, <laughs> I'm just going to speak German. And then sometimes they, like you said, they would, they would cave and start speaking German with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you have, you have to, it takes, it's like a little bit, it, it takes some, um, it takes a little bit of like, I don't know, you're, you're conquering, you're, you're fighting, you're fighting this urge to speak what is your mother language. You're fighting this urge to like, you know, this, to, to not be so self-conscious. Um, you're fighting the urge to be comfortable. Yeah. Oh, and, that's, yeah. I, like that. I mean, as humans, right, we don't like discomfort. And so we shy away from it naturally. And so it's, I think it's about recognizing it and deciding that, it's you have to be okay with that discomfort because it's worth it on the other side of it. Ah, I love it because that that ties into what you were saying earlier about like looking at your boss and your boss's boss and your boss's boss and saying, I don't want to do that. So you were fighting this urge to like to settle into comfort within your profession and your life. And also that applies to how you're learning language. Yeah, I I guess so. I, I it was quite uncomfortable to I would say throw my life in a blender. Um so <laughs> I had um <laughs> the, the detail of my of my like move from Seattle to to the UK is that um I had finally gotten out of my job that I hated and I had moved into this like scale up um, company that was uh, it's now quite a large company um, but it was uh, at the time I was like employee number 124 I think um, uh-huh. <laughs> and I on on day two of the new job I found out I got the scholarship to to study in the UK and I was just I was at my my computer at work when I read the email and I it's just you you have those like really poignant moments in life you're like this is this is that Robert Frost poem this is that like there are two um two two paths diverged in a wood and yes now I have to pick one (laughs) because this is a really cool job too but actually like I didn't really like those bosses jobs either so I think it was the right choice but certainly (laughs) it certainly wasn't the right choice for a lot of the things that I think I was taught to value um and that has actually been hard for me to reconcile over the years um I um was told uh, when I said I was leaving they were like Lisa you'll you'll be a director in like six months to a year like don't leave. <laughs> you're you're doing well here. The company's doing well. We're going to IPO in, you know, two years. I think they IPO'd in like six years later or something like that. And um, and so I, I was definitely leaving 
a high powered career behind to to go in into the unknown into a um you know a a, a path that I knew wouldn't pay as much um mm-hmm. and I just I just knew that I would always always regret saying no if I didn't go and I felt like the fear of yeah I guess the, the fear of the regret probably was a bigger factor than than necessarily the excitement to go if that makes sense yes yeah like what yeah because the, the what you might the, the the unknowns that you might the unknowns or adventure or growth or whatever it was that you might miss out on was you feared losing that more than the certainty of whatever this director job might be is that right yeah i i knew that i knew what that director job would look like and i wasn't particularly fulfilled by it, it from the meta sense right it, you get a boost from people saying that you're good at your job and mm-hmm. um and you know <laughs> feeling feeling important right um but but equally it's i i just knew that I would always be like, oh yeah, I got this scholarship, but I didn't take it. And I wonder mm-hmm. what it would have been like had I moved to Europe. Yeah. Like, who wants to say that the rest of their life? <laughs> right. But good for you for like seeing that. At How old were you then, may I ask? Mm, 20. 20 something? 28, 29, 28. Yeah. So like that, that takes courage. First, it takes insight to, to know yourself enough it takes an insight to have that much self-knowledge and also courage. Like you said, you said throw your life into a blender. So like, it sounds like at some level there was, there's turmoil that, that was, that went, that was involved with that trans transition. Um, and obviously it was worth it or you liked it or it worked out because you're still there. Uh, but <laughs> I am still here. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I had I had gone through that. I was starting the, the building phase, which you know I, I think a lot of people who are in their thirties or forties will will kind of understand is that there's like there's the point where you s- stop buying IKEA furniture, you know, where you're like, okay, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna have this dishes set or this like set of pans or couch or dining room table or whatever it is that's going to last like I'm going to have that for the next 20 years right and so Uh you buy the slightly nicer thing and you're like right this is this is my this is my set and and so I'm starting to build that kind of stuff of life um and then I got this this you know news that I've could move abroad and I I thought well it was actually kind of strange to to let it all go particularly because I had I, you know I saved up for each one of these things because I was you know I was still early in my career and I, I I wasn't flush with cash and so I I it was strange to to do that and and to just to get rid of all of it to sell it to yeah uh, the biggest thing was to was selling my car that that for me was the the biggest kind of unfettering or um i i felt like that was the biggest change of all the things getting rid of my apartment getting rid of my stuff but when i gave up my freedom with the car that was the hardest bit interesting it's it's interesting you, that because freedom in the sense of like having a place to drive and things like having having the the this vehicle you can just hop in and go anywhere, yeah. but when I hear when I hear you talking about getting rid of you know dishes and couches and all those kind of things, um, I've thought a lot. I think a lot after twenty something years in financial services, and I've seen how those trappings of this American dream, the house, the car, the, 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 all, all the things and all the stuff that you have. It, 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 when you, to me, those often consume 
so much of our life and consume our life, our time, our money, and our freedom because then we're we're trapped by those things and our and then it restricts our options because we're unwilling to give those things up to to take a big chance to do something like what you're doing. Um, so yeah, it was, maybe I was lucky. Maybe I was lucky that I didn't have that many things really <laughs> yeah, when yeah. when I was given that choice, right? Because. Mm-hmm. The, if I had, say, bought a house, and I, I nearly did um, in 2010, um, uh-huh. but I knew I had applied for the scholarship and I just wasn't sure if it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, that, that's in, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, just like you said, you were, you were at this crossroads and you were beginning to build this life and uh, something... something <laughs> Not to be corny, but London calling, you know, <laughs> something was calling. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have the copyright to use that song, but it would be great for this episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, not copyright permission, but uh, yeah, so some, something something called you there. So what was it? Was it something particular about London or just the idea of like just shaking your life up and going on, going far away? Um. So the scholarship was brought me to the UK and actually the the university that I studied at was in in northern England um and so I actually had the unique opportunity that a lot of foreigners in the UK don't have um to to have my first real experience of the UK be outside of London because London okay. is a microcosm uh, uh-huh. it's super international um but the rest of the UK is is different, and I, I mean it's it's very similar to the U.S., right? If, if you you can't fly into New York for two day, two or three days and say you've seen the U.S., right? Because True. Like, <laughs> Though many that's do. not rural Ohio, right? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so your experience of the of of the U.K. will be different if you if you you know spend time in Yorkshire, or, um, you know, or if you head over to Manchester or Liverpool or you know Cornwall um they're very very mm-hmm. different and um and, I, and so I, I felt really lucky to have the opportunity to do that particularly because I quite like uh hiking um they call it walking here strangely uh, but okay. you, no matter how high the hill is it's still walking uh, <laughs> and that's true <laughs> it is true it is true um so so yeah so um so I, I quite enjoyed being close to the countryside um but then after i graduated um i needed a visa to stay and and there um there are restrictions on the visa um and so it's just made it easier to there's just more jobs in london more opportunity sure uh, for visa sponsorship so so yeah. you still try to get out to the countryside when you can or is there enough hiking is that is that easy to do from where you are it's it's okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty quick on a train. Um, you within an hour. Uh, I mean, it's a smaller country than the U.S., right? So within an hour, you can you can get out to the countryside, and um, and there isn't the kind of sprawl here that there is in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. All the houses are kind of stuck together, right? So, um, and you'll go between towns, and then you'll have like lots of countryside around the towns but you won't have the sort of suburban sprawl that you do in the u.s Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's there's lots of um there's lots of good walking and and interestingly um there's a um there's something called the right to wander i think it is um which is (laughs) (laughs) you can you can walk on other people's property um wow yeah, it's it's very different from the U.S. where you know you'd you'd worry <laughs> there aren't any guns here either. There's no like someone coming out and like talking a shotgun at you. Um, yeah, but uh, so there's there's walking paths that will say walk through a farm and it'll walk through fields and then and the farmer on his um, on his say barbed wire fence he'll put a a stool or a gate or something like that for people to walk over wow. through his fence. Yeah. So you can walk for, and you're walking through farmland, but it's, 
or you're in the new That's Orleans, cool. you go through a wood and then through some more farms and you'll see sheep and you'll see cows and horses and stuff. And sometimes you end up in the field with a bull, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it is really nice to be able to have that sort of like uh, access to the countryside. Yeah. Are people pretty cool about being respectful of property and things or... Because yeah, here, sure. like, you go hiking, even on trails where you're allowed to hike, I see trash and, you know, just, you know, silliness, carving, people carving their names and trees and cactus and things. Is, are, are, are people generally respectful of the property? Yeah, generally. Um, I wouldn't say that, I mean, I wouldn't say that everyone is. Um, and there are certainly, there's certainly plenty of trash around, um, but not usually in the countryside like that. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, you always get the one off, right? But sure, for the most sure. part, people are pretty respectful. It, it all works out. That's cool. Um, awesome. Okay. So that's super fun. What, um, what advice might you give? to other people who maybe feel that calling that they maybe feel trapped in terms of just, just taking a chance and, and seeing where it goes? Mm, that's a good question. I think it's important to know or at least ask yourself why. Um, because I think sometimes if people have different motivations for different things, right? And some people are motivated by a desire to, to go towards something. And sometimes people are, are motivated by a desire to move away from something uh, or to escape something. And I think there's just, it's helpful to do a bit of that self-reflection first because you're going to be the same person <laughs> in yeah. whatever country you're in and you know you take yourself with you and yes you can reinvent your life but you're still ultimately that the same person and so i think yeah it's it's a, we're all living an imperfect journey anyway and mm -hmm. so I think I think it's helpful to know kind of what your motivations are before you do it because if it is to run away from something then you're going to have you're still going to have to face that um yes <laughs> yeah uh, and I'm I've been one that's I would say my motive one of my motivations I've, I've so I've I've always been motivated in terms of like the pull I've always been motivated by learning languages and um, talking to really different and interesting people and and having new experiences. And I love traveling for that reason. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, so the thing that I'm also motivated by, and I have been from a young age, is I haven't wanted a mediocre life. And a what life? A mediocre life. A mediocre, oh yeah, yeah. And that's kind of an unhelpful framing. <laughs> <laughs> so while it's been useful for getting me off my butt and and really going in and 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 seeking new experiences, I think I've had a like we all have work to do on ourselves, right? But I've had to do mm -hmm. that work you know, without my friends and family close by. Um, uh -huh. And that has sometimes been challenging. I, I can, no, I can understand that. Uh, the, um, the point you made earlier about, you know, wherever you go, your, your problems, they're there with you. Um, I had that realization when I was 20 on a hilltop in the black forest. <laughs> 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 I had this. I had gone to high, I had gone to Germany in high school, and I was oh, this is this great. That's where I want to be. And I did another internship in college, and I had all I had a whole summer there, and I was in. I had gone for this insanely long bike ride, and was just resting and looking out, and 
I had been there long enough that it wasn't new anymore. You know, I know you know what I'm talking about. Where like it's, you know, you I had my routine and I knew where I I knew yeah. I had my routine of all the things that I did. I had a job and people and coffee and all the all all the things, right? And that's that realization hit me. I'm like, like the newness had worn off. And I'm like, well, wherever I go, yeah, my I'm I'm still here, and all my things are here, and all my the fears that I had there are here. Um, and it helped me realize, yeah, there wasn't a magic place to be. Um, but I also realized I still like the the mental shock and experience of seeing new things and meeting new people and having those adventures and experiences to kind of like light my brain up. Um, it wasn't an end, but it was it was something that that was important to me. Um, yeah. What would you say is your your biggest experience where you had that sort of that spark of either like having a breakthrough in language or just a really dynamic conversation in a in a new language or in a new culture do you have any of any experiences that really stand out to you either in germany or or in italy yeah with germ in germany in high school the you know i had had 3 years of high school german and it was you know, only we only spoke German, and my I went to bed every night, and my head hurt, and I was I'm lonely and in this household with very nice people but strangers, you know, and every night my just head hurt, and I was tired because I was struggling to understand and translate all day long, and there was one day that I I went to say something, and the German words flowed into my head first. I, I literally, it was Tisch, which means table. And I looked at this thing and, and Tisch was there first. And I, I felt a jolt, like, like <laughs> that, yeah. that. And then that night I had my first German dream. Like I was struggling to have a conversation. I was still struggling, but I was speaking only in German and everyone was speaking German to me. And sometimes it was probably nonsense, but my brain was just, my brain was just like, this is, my brain was just throwing German at me. And so that was a breakthrough for me of, of when the language became a real part of me and was important as I began studying. When I started studying Italian, that's why I dove into the conversation with people as fast as... I'm, I'm probably a bad student when it comes to grammar and doing... My teacher, if she's listening to this, will be laughing because I'm bad about doing grammar exercises. I just want to talk because that to me... Was the was the way I learned and made it made it real for me. So yeah, that that was the moment where it was just it clicked, um, and and the whole the, the language became a real thing, uh, a, a living, breathing thing that was then a part of me. It goes from being really, really hard work to to like you said, it's like a switch, not overnight, but sometimes it it, it is just that when you realize. Wow, there's been a step change. Yes, I, I, yeah. I went from having to do everything, like translate every word, and like, oh, you know, okay, that goes before that, and that. Oh, I <laughs> yeah. have to conjugate that like this. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's and you, ha- but you, you don't get that in classrooms. You get that by speaking to people and listening to music and watching movies and. And just absorbing it the way the way that's you know that's how we learned you know whatever your mother language is that's how you learn that uh, with talking to your family. Uh, I used um, to have uh, my my trick was to um, walk around the streets of Montevideo and listen to people who had passed the other way and take the snippet of their conversation and repeat it over and over and over to myself. Ooh, and yeah. I, I must have looked like a complete like crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it helped me get the accent as well. So I, it, I, the one of the, the words in Spanish, um, mismo, it means the same. 
And uh, someone uh, someone had walked past and said, yeah, lo mismo, da, da, da. And they had said it in a way that was very nasal. And I and so I was like, lo mismo, lo mismo. Uh, (laughs) 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 Yeah. Over and over and over again. And actually, like, that helped so much. Um, and, And then there were just a couple of other things that, like, I had... I had a friend tell tell me, and you know, it's like you, you you could tell that they didn't necessarily want to give me criticism, but they were like, "You have a good accent and everything, except for this one thing, Lisa." And I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> but like every time you say "aura," which means now, <laughs> you say "aura," <laughs> <laughs> which means. Like, which also means is it every different meaning? No, no, okay, no. okay. It's, it's yeah. just it's it's like the way you say your A's. It's just really weird, and so it's really <laughs> jarring to hear to listen to you because it's like just this A is like going crazy. So that, okay, <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I've I've stumbled on every bad word in Italian because of mispronunciation and adding an N or dropping an N and whatever. So, so yeah. fortunately, yeah, you weren't saying something embarrassing. No, I have, I have plenty of times. And of course, the, the kind of obnoxious people in my cohort um, were, would love to be, to um, say, you know, like, Lisa, say this. And I'd be like, <laughs> and I knew they were just like making me say obscene things. And I was just, you kind of like, do you go along with it? Do you not? Like, right. Uh, at one at one point, like one of the girls had taught me. Well, my housemate actually had taught me some like really good things to say back to him, and I just like they were nice. they were teasing me in kind of like a like a an edgy way, you know. It's not actually very nice. Um, oh, and so no. I just shot back at them this like <laughs> obscene thing. I can't even remember what, what it was. And they were so no. shocked. <laughs> they just, they, they all burst out laughing. But then, then they never tried it again. <laughs> it's hysterical. Yeah, it's it's the same sense of like when you're a kid and you learn the words, you know, the bad words or the power words or whatever. It's the same thing, except you're doing it as an adult. And so <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, so yeah, you're, you're, uh, yeah, some of those, just as, as someone that's, you know, from the outside too, you, you've got, you've got a, a kind, what feels like a genuine, a genuine curiosity, uh, in, in other people, which was so obvious when, when, when we met in, in Lecce and, and how you just kind of adopted Carolina and I just to, to drive all over the place. And, uh, you know, after a few days, like you've, 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 You've dumped, jumped in and or dive, dove, dived in or dove into so many different people and experiences. Um, it felt like uh, it felt like summer camp, and we, <laughs> we were all summer camp buddies and just <laughs> going on our little adventures to see things. But that made it so fun. But also, you were you were so comfortable with that, and uh, you know, just grabbing your guidebooks and figuring out where to go, and and just just willingness to just just go places and do things and that's i'm sure has opened up you know i could do a whole hour just talking about that but like that that curiosity you have and an openness to other people um is certainly a, a strength that you have and i'm sure it's i know it's benefited your life oh well thanks yeah no it was um it was a really fun trip and it it was i mean life is better shared right and I, you guys uh-huh. uh greatly in, enhanced my experience of, of that of that time as well right and it's just it was a great it was a great time to kind of adventure together and um and to to have that sort of shared experience right because um otherwise you know you're you're, you're sitting there going I, I want to share this I have no other <laughs> route let me just post it on Instagram it's like actually no I like <laughs> I'd much rather like live it w- with somebody and then, yeah. you know, ha- have, be able to relive it like we're doing now, you know? Um, mm-hmm. it's, no, it's very, it's, very different. Yeah. It's far then, richer, yeah, then, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for jumping on here with me today and taking some time from your Saturday to, to share some of your stories uh, with everybody. 
Sure. Well, thanks for having me. It's been uh, it's been fun to uh, to reminisce and to to chat. So, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Uh, so, well, hey, have a wonderful wonderful day, and thanks for joining the show. And uh, hopefully, we'll talk soon. Okay, everybody, that is a wrap for the episode with Lisa Dittmer. I had so much fun. I learned a lot of fun things, and I hope you did too. Some of the some of the things I want to circle back to that I think are important is that ability or that skill that Lisa mentioned about being able to. to she looked at her life and looked at her looked at the trajectory of of a job as an example of her boss and her boss's boss and so forth, and thought, you know, that's not. I don't want to. I don't want to end up there. And so she looked at that and made changes in her life that um, that fit more with what she wanted to do or who she wanted to be. And I think that's so so important, whether it's a job or relationships or you know your health habits or your whatever your habits are in life. If you if you keep doing what you're doing, what will you get? Uh, what is that? What's that saying? If you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always got. Something like that. Uh, so that's important, and I, I try to do that. I, I try to I, sometimes I, I as a financial planner and, and working with families, I've gotten to see tons and tons of little mini life biographies and looking at people's relationships with children and family and money and health, and go, okay, if I what 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 habits do I want to have? What what trajectory trajectory do I want to be on? And what skills or what habits do I need to have now to put myself there? So it's really cool hearing uh, Lisa's perspective on that. Her other, one of her other points is fighting that urge to be uncomfortable. That, that is so, so powerful. The comfort, comfort and safety can really kind of kill or take the, take the fun out of life in terms of, um, what's possible and the opportunities we have. So not being afraid to to be uncomfortable in order to learn and grow. It's often our it's our it's our uncomfortable and scary times that we look back on with the most fondness, but we wouldn't always throw ourselves into that. So having that fear to do that intentionally and uh, as she said, throw your life in a blender every now and then. Sometimes life does it to us and sometimes we do it to ourselves. But um, on the backside we are always we always learn something at a, at a minimum. So, and there's so so many more lessons um, that we got that I got from this. Um, I really really hope you enjoyed this. As always, don't forget to like and share. Uh, don't don't hesitate to to reach out to me. You can on uh, on my website carloblog.com. My email's there. You can reach out to me on social media. Lots of people have done that. So, if you have questions, uh, any any comments, like share, all that kind of fun stuff. So as always, you can find me on carloblog.com. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you learned something from it. Keep having fun. Keep listening to those things that are pulling you and calling you and enjoy your journey. 